Hi, this is Jesse Watkins, lead pastor of the Friendliest Church in Concord, North Carolina, Friendship Southern Baptist. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this resource. We hope that it blesses your life, and we hope that we can be a continued source of encouragement for your faith. God bless. You know, I know there's some people that maybe have come to this church for a long time, and maybe you've been trying to decide whether or not to move your membership here. And, and really, my message today is directed toward that. Because, you see, no one ever joins a boat unless they know where that boat is heading. No one ever gets on a train unless they know where that train is going. My purpose today is to unveil not just a vision, but a destination of where we as God's people should want to go. And I know this, that there's no perfect church, but there is a perfect Savior. And I've been to churches of 1,500 and churches that have had meetings with 15. But when we give glory to God, He will receive the honor from all that we do. And my purpose today is to talk about vision, and the title of my message is, Where Are We Going? See, sometimes we get in the routine of just coming to church. We just come to church. We sit in the same seat we've sat in for 30 years. We go to Sunday school. Then we go home. And it's become routine. But you know, that's not a destination. Church is not a destination. Church is just a vehicle to take us where we need to go. And sometimes I've even thought maybe we should get out of our minds, stop going to church, and start being the church. That the focal point of Christianity is not coming to a place, but drawing others to a Savior. So it's not just about coming to a building. It's not just about coming and sitting on a pew, but it's about finding God's will in your life and His purpose for you. And that's part of my title today. Where are we going? And as I thought about vision, I thought about the Scripture... In Proverbs 29, 18, you don't have to turn there because I've got another scripture I want you to turn to here in a minute. But you're familiar with it. Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And if you think, someone with no vision is blind. And a blind person, if you try to throw them out into a battle or out into a world, a war, they're going to get defeated. So I found, some, uh, I found a story online about a man who... Uh, walked into a store with his C&I dog. And uh, a few moments later, after he got to that store, he started swinging around that C&I dog by the leash. And this store clerk walked up to him and said, Sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm just looking around. <laughs> I heard another story about a, a guy with uh, a very bad vision that got on a plane going to Texas. As, an, as he got on the plane, he, he felt that the, the Texas airline had really big seats. And he was like, man, these seats are big. And the stewardess said, yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. So he gets out to Texas and he orders a Coke and it's like a fishbowl. He fills it and says, man, this is a big Coke. She said, yeah, everything's bigger than Texas. And he says, ma'am, where's the restroom? She said, it's down the hall, second door. Well, he misses the second door and goes to the door that leads to the pool and falls in. His first thought, he says, don't flush, don't flush. <laughs> you see, without vision, life can be hard. Without vision, church can be hard. Amen? Because a lot of times what you got is a bunch of people that get together and don't really know what we're doing. 
Well, what are we doing? Well, we come to worship God. Yeah, but is that the essence of the church? Because Jesus Christ said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And now the church is the body of Christ. So therefore the church has the same mission that Jesus had. To seek and to save that which is lost. The other day I had a lunch with Brother George South and, and he had his I Love Jesus t-shirt on and his I Love Jesus bracelets and he just radiates the message of the gospel. And it was encouraging to me to be around somebody that passionate. And he points people to Jesus and that's the goal of the church. Not to just come worship God but to seek and to save that which is lost. And you know, there's going to be conflict in a church. I've never been in a church without conflict. There's going to be conflict. But see, most conflict arises when there is a confusion about vision. You see, if Joe doesn't know where we're headed, and Bobby doesn't know where we're headed, they can get mad. But if Joe and Bobby both know we're headed in the right direction, they will have no discussion about what it's going to take to get us there. Because they know where it's going to take us. You see, a lot of church people engage in conflict because there is confusion about vision. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Let there be no division among you. I want you to think about the word division. The word division means two visions. Division comes when two people have different ideas about where they want to go. You want to go here, he wants to go there. There's conflict, there's division. But see, if we as the church can have a unified vision, then we will all be in harmony about where God is going to take us. So that brings me to my scripture today. And that is in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to turn there with me. I made a resolution this year not to make any resolutions. Therefore, when I break it in two weeks, it will actually be to my advantage. I thought that was a lot funnier, but. <laughs> you know, the average resolution lasts about two weeks, so if you decide not to make any, you might even get better this year. <laughs> so we're looking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And the scripture I'm looking at is verse 52 in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 52 says this. And Jesus increased... In wisdom, somebody say wisdom. In stature, somebody say stature. And in favor, somebody say favor. With God and men. So Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. What the scripture is showing us right here are the healthy marks of a human or also the healthy marks of Jesus. Wisdom, stature, in favor with God and men. As I said earlier, the church is the body of Christ. So the church should have the same marks of health that Jesus had. The church should model the traits of wisdom, stature, and favor with God and men. And I asked the Lord to speak to me about this. And I said, God, I want us to be a healthy church. Not just an existing church. Because there's churches shutting down all over the place. I don't want to just be a healthy church. But I want to be a growing and thriving church. And I said, God, speak to me about this. And he gave me some insight. Since the church is the body of Christ. 
The scripture shows us what health should look like. I want to start out with this. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom. You see, in your notes you have a blank. Basically, a growing church equates to wisdom. Wisdom means the efficient use of knowledge. How many people have you met that were really book smart, but had no common sense? Colleges produce them by the thousands these days. They really book smart, but no common sense. That's because they lack wisdom. Wisdom is the appropriate use of knowledge. You see, you can be as smart as you want. You can quote Stephen Hawking. You can know Einstein's theory of relativity. But if God has not given you a discernment on how to apply that, it's useless. You're just a fountain of trivial knowledge. You would do well on Jeopardy, but that's about it. But wisdom is putting knowledge into efficient use. How does that equate with church? You see, when a church gains members, it is now... An increase in the efficiency of ministry. You increase the efficiency. So just as wisdom increases the efficiency of the brain, church members increase the efficiency of what God can do in a church. You see, we can do some things with with 120 people. But if we had 250 people, we could do more efficient things. Amen? Amen? Now, some of y'all may confuse. You said, Preacher, this place will only hold 250. I don't mind if we have two services. I don't mind if we build another place. I know that when God has preached, He will draw all men to Himself, and we need to start planning based on faith. So, new members add to the efficiency of ministry. And you know what? Everyone says, everyone will agree that a church which is not gaining members is a dying church. Everyone will say, Yeah, we want new members. But do we really want to do what it takes to get them here? You see, a lot of times we're comfortable with the way we do it, with the way things operate. And see, new people will come in and and they may mess things up. Somebody might come along that's more talented than you. Well, praise God. That's the purpose of the kingdom. My purpose as a pastor is to raise up young men, young women who can go into the ministry and I hope they become more talented than I come. Maybe they can take over the pulpit and I'll go somewhere else. But the purpose of the church is to raise up ministers who are capable for the kingdom because if not, we're just existing for ourselves. We don't just exist for friendship. We exist for Concord. We exist for North Carolina, for the United States and the world. Acts 2.47 says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Most churches do good to get added to their number yearly. The average church in America baptizes two people a year. In three months, we've baptized six individuals. Praise God, I believe 2012 is going to be a banner year, and people are going to come to Christ because we do what we have to do to share the gospel. Are we willing... To do what it takes to gain new members. Are you willing if someone comes in? I've seen someone come in. A lady visited a Sunday school class. Not here, but she visited a Sunday school class. She came and sat down. Someone went in and said, excuse me, that's my seat. She moved up. Uh, Next lady came in and said, excuse me, that's my seat. She moved up. Third time someone asked her to move, she left. You see, because we think this is our pew or our church or our ministry, but if we've got to bring new people in, we're going to have to be willing to step out of the way, let God use somebody else for a little while. Because God's used a lot of people for 50 years, and it's time for some fresh people to get in there and serve. 
That's why I love youth and young people because they're hungry and they're thirsty to get in and do something. But that may be what happens when new people comes. And we know what the words of a dying church are. We've never done it that way before. I've heard a joke that says, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? What do you mean change? That's the joke there. There wasn't any more. Okay. <laughs> you know, one of the primary ways we will reach new members is through the Sunday school system. So I was excited today to be part of new classes that launched. And even somebody today said, next week, preacher, we plan on being there. And I, I hope so. Because when you get plugged into a small group, you're accountable. You can pray for each other and you can love on each other. Because 120 people can't love on each other. If you did, that would be a lot of confusion. But through the Sunday school system, you can make deep friendships, deep relationships. And that's where ministry can really happen. So the first mark of a growing church or of a thriving church is to grow uh, with, with membership. That equates to wisdom. Secondly, the vision is to be a giving church. And that equates to stature. See, the scripture says that he increased in wisdom and stature. The word stature means the degree of development. So therefore, the greater stature of an organization, the more it is developed and the more it can do. I want you to think about this for a minute. The average church in America has a budget based on $20 per person per week. Now, if you think about that, that means... Now, some of you probably come and give a lot. But that means this average uh, church's offering is going to average $20 per person per week. I heard of a pastor right now, and, and he planted a church just about five years ago. And his church right now is running around $36 per person. You're like, Pastor, why does that matter? Why are you talking about money? Because churches that give are able to spread the gospel better. And when we get into the uh, mentality that, you know, Ours is ours, and we're just going to give to God the bare minimum. It limits God's functioning through this ministry. And as I said before, I want us to be a blessed congregation. When I preach on the principle of tithing, it means that you will become blessed by being obedient. Take, for example, in your uh, bulletin, it lists Malachi 3.10. We, we here have the whole picture right here. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse... So that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. This is one of the only times in scriptures where God says, test me. You see, most of the scripture says, do not test the Lord thy God. God here says, test me. Give to the tithe and see if I don't pour out an abundant blessing on you. I sit with some people in church that are generous givers. They tell me week after week how God laid on their heart to give to this offering or God laid on their heart to give to this, uh, this person. And then God blessed them back even more. God will bless you. What most people say was, well, I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to. Because when you give the 10%, it sanctifies the 90. And that's a whole other message, and I don't even want to preach on that today, but I want to know this. That I don't have any problem challenging people to give. A lot of preachers have problem talking about money or finances. I have no problem with it because it's biblical. And if God says it, then I'm doing a disjustice from not preaching on it. So you know you can have a preacher that's going to preach all scripture and that cares for his people to be blessed. This was really interesting. I did some research that during the Great Depression, church offerings maintained. 
There was no decline in church offerings during the Great Depression. It's the most significant depression ever in American history. And people still gave to church the same amounts. A lot of people say, well, uh, America's in a recession. But you know what? Whenever there's a recession, Christians see an increase in intercession. We start praying harder for God to provide. We start praying harder for God to send blessings upon His church. And God says, if you give more, I'll pour out more. So don't let the lack of, a, of or the, the basis of an economic recession be a burden to the church. God's people can still give because God provides. I heard somebody say the other day, hey, you know the devil has had our money long enough. And that's the truth. We'll go to a concert and pay $50 a ticket. We'll go to a football game and pay $100 a ticket. We'll go to uh, a movie and pay $5 for a Coke. Have you been to the movies lately? It's ridiculous. And we get two hours worth of worldly enjoyment. But we come to the house of God with a Savior that has given you eternal life. And people start to clam up. Isn't it opposite of what it should be? We should be returning back to God unrestricted because he's blessed us so. You know, you can invest in a 401k and see a, maybe a rate of return around 6% right now, but God says, bless me and see if I will not overflow you from heaven. The mark of a church is not in how tall is their steeple, but how tall is their faith. You see, in a church gives in obedience to their faith. If we have faith, God will send people, we'll start giving more. We have faith God is doing something in this ministry. We'll start giving more. So the true mark of a growing church is not how tall a steeple is, but how tall is our faith through our giving. So we have a growing church, a giving church, and then lastly, a living church. And that equates to favor with God and men. And I want to explain this to you. You know, a lot of times I'll do things differently than a lot of pastors. I'll ask open-ended questions, right? And I'll wait for somebody to answer. What is the difference between a living cell... And a dead cell. Can anybody tell me? Maybe some high school students who've just taken chemistry or biology. What's the difference between a living cell and a dead cell? Somebody raise their hand. Dead cell doesn't grow. What else happens to a living cell? Heather, you're whispering. Come on. It, well, it multiplies. See, where there, once there was one cell, now there's two, right? A lot of times we call that dividing, but if you go from one to two, that's multiplication. You see, a mark of a growing ministry is multiplication. Anytime something stays the same, anything in nature can stay the same and be dead. A rock will stay the same, and that's a dead rock. But a living organism multiplies. What will that uh, happen in the life of our church? It's going to have to happen through the Sunday school ministry. I told my class today, and I don't mind a little friendly competition. I told the young adults, I said, guys, I want this to be the growing uh, Sunday school class of the church. And if, if Scarlett's class wants to compete or if Wade's class wants to compete, I'm all for it. To grow, multiply, and engage. Because that's what a living organism would display. I also thought about two qualities that a living tree has. First, the living tree has roots. And the Spirit spoke to me and said, there is no deeper root in a Christian's life than prayer. You see, something that happens in nature that during a storm, 
Oak trees shoot out longer roots to anchor it to the soil. During a storm, when a storm comes on an oak tree, it brings its roots deeper. And some of you are going through, through hard times in your family, maybe hard times with your children. Let it grow roots deep into the soil of our faith through prayer. In order for us to be thriving, we must be a praying church. That's why I believe on Wednesday night for our prayer meeting, we get together, we share prayer requests, we have a time of prayer. This, this Wednesday, I'm starting to look through the book of James and what the whole book of James says on prayer. How it's going to equip us and increase our faith. The prayer ministry is the greatest ministry of the church. There's no staying church that's a praying church. A praying church will grow. A praying church will send. A praying church will multiply. The church must anchor itself with the ministry of prayer. So a tree has roots and a tree has fruits. The purpose of a seed is to reproduce a tree. Everything that's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. The purpose of a seed... Is to reproduce a tree. What does a seed come in? A seed comes in a fruit. Whenever that, that tree drops a fruit, in that fruit is a seed. Why do you think God has told you, told us to bear good fruits? Because in every good fruit that we bear is a seed that God can plant in somebody. He doesn't just tell you to go bear good fruits through good works because it's nice or because it'll make you happy. Inside every good fruit, there is a seed of multiplication. And in 2012, we'll see an increase of ministries. I had a great idea during uh, Black Friday when all those people were standing in long lines at Blockbuster, freezing, standing there with nowhere to go. I said, you know what? The church should come out here, serve hot cocoa, Maybe popcorn, give these people something to warm them up, something to eat and minister to these people. You see, that's what shows people the church cares. Because right now, the lost people in this town do not know that we're here worshiping. They don't. No one, no, a lost person doesn't just drive by a church and says, Man, I wonder what all them people are doing in there. We have to go get them. We have to go where they are. And that's what it's going to take. We are never called in Scripture to build our church. We are called to build the church. You know, and I, I know people here have already talked about, man, if we could get some of this property along the road back here, and maybe that would be a place for a, a new sanctuary or, or a family life center back here. And I haven't talked about these things. I hear people talking about them. And yeah, I, I think all that's going to happen. But see, we don't just exist for our church. We exist... For the church, and I want to cast to you a bigger vision than probably anything you've even thought about. Imagine we start raising up young pastors. Imagine we start raising up young ministers here. Sunday school teachers. And our church grows, we do all that. But you know what? There's a lot of dying churches. One church can't do it. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take new church plants. You say, Preacher, what are you talking about? I may be looking five, ten years down the road, but I can imagine that, that this place here is called Friendship Southern Central, and then we have another campus called Friendship Northern, and then another campus called Friendship Eastern, and it can't be just our church that will fulfill God's kingdom. It will take multiplication to reach this community and what we're called to do. And now you can't say, anyone here can't say they, believe, they don't believe in church plants. You know why? This is a church plant. 
Everyone else is here because God laid on someone's heart to plant a new church. The Southern Baptists will even tell you the only way the Great Commission is going to be filled is through the planting of new churches within communities. You say, well, there's a lot of churches in the area. Yeah, there's a lot of dead churches. We need thriving churches, growing churches, ministering churches. And I believe that can happen here. If we'll all agree on a vision. So see, I'll tell you where we're going. The vision is a growing church, a giving church, and a living church. Now you can say, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to see happen. That's what I want to see accomplished. Maybe there's somebody here today, you've been waiting to join this church. But you say, now I know where the boat's going, I'm going to jump on the boat today. God doesn't just want a bigger tree, He wants many trees. And we are just one tree among the many that's going to fulfill His kingdom. It goes without saying that we, we will need to build buildings, but that is a small vision. I want you to go beyond just this property here and I want you to think about mission trips. I hear church members that, go, that have been on five, six trips to Africa, building churches, building hospitals. I want to see that happen. Because we're called to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. During my time of invitation today, I'm going to invite you to do this. Number one, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to be waiting down front. If you would come down and say, Pastor... I'm coming because I need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Secondly, if you are not a member of this church, I would ask that today, January 1st, let's start the new year off in an amazing way. Come and join the vision of this ministry. And if you have never been baptized and you want to step up and say, Pastor, I need to be baptized, publicly confess my faith of the Christian, I'm going to be waiting for you down front. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have a word of prayer. And then I want you to come if you're responding to the invitation. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father God, before we sing, I just ask that you would lay it upon anybody's heart. If they do not have a relationship with you, God, bring them forward this morning. To know that you came to die for our sins. To seek and to save that which is lost. Maybe someone can start out this new year with a new life. With their sins washed away. The slate wiped clean. Because your scripture says, Behold, all things are made new. And secondly, God, if there's someone waiting to join this ministry here to become an official part of the friendship family, God, I ask that you would bring them forward. That you would have all glory today through this church, through your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing.